The scripture reading today is from the book of Romans, chapter 8, verses 22 through 28 and 37 through 39. You can find it printed on page 9 of your worship folder. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now, and not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly while we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. For in hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what is seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words, and God, who searches the heart, knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. Know in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. The word of the Lord. Take a moment now for silent reflection. God of mercy and grace, we come to you today. We come to you this morning. We call upon you this morning. Some of us with heavy hearts. Some of us just trying to suppress those heavy hearts. Some of us us are distracted by self-centered pleasures. No matter how we come to you, we come to you and ask that you would reveal yourself to us here and now. Help us to listen to your word. May it speak to us through your spirit, to the glory of your son. Amen. Amen. Well, hello, everyone. My name is Paul Trudeau. I'm the director of our City Hope Ministries in the Tenderloin. You'll see there's a lot of stickers out there kind of representing that um, in support of what we do. I want to start off my message today with asking you a simple question And it's this, and you can answer by raising your hand if it's in the affirmative, okay? So we're going to do some dialogue, not just monologue here. We're going to interact. Have you ever stolen anything in your life? It's a den of thieves here. (laughs) Well, I stand on this stage in judgment of you. You know, I, when I went to college, I realized real quickly a few doors down from me in the dormitory were a couple of, of hoodlums, a couple of thieves. They weren't stealing from me or anyone else in the dorm. They actually had a little con job. They had stolen a printer uh, machine from warehouse music that printed only gift certificates to warehouse music. <laughs> warehouse music isn't around anymore. It was a place where you could buy CDs. It was kind of like a Borders it's a place that isn't around anymore that you can buy <laughs> CDs at. If you're younger, I can tell you what a CD is. But at that time in my life, man, these guys had quite the scam. What they would tell you to do is go down to Warehouse Music, a record store right off the um, corner of the university there. And for some reason, they always told us, or told people, um, <laughs> they told people to go and calculate all the CDs you want and get the price, you know, bring a calculator down to the penny 
So students would go there and like pick out 50 CDs down to the penny. They'd calculate it right there in the store. Then they'd knock on these guys' door, give them a couple bucks, and then print it out, a gift certificate, down to the penny. And then you'd take that gift certificate to Warehouse Music and you'd get your 50 CDs or 100 CDs. These guys had so many CDs in their dormitory. I don't, I don't know how they even had books anywhere. Um, they were not studying. <laughs> and, you know, I was an art student. And, you know, in college, I think in that time in your life, music means everything to you. So I was all up in my feelings, and I really loved music. <laughs> and I was an art student. I loved music, but I was also a Christian. So I held my ground, and it was so hard. It was <laughs> so very hard. But I felt so righteous the day that the police officers showed up. <laughs> Everybody in my dorm had partaken, and everyone, you know, was scrambling, hiding in their rooms with all their illegal CDs. <laughs> and they took these two young hoodlums away in cuffs. And I was like, yay for me. <clears throat> a few years later, there was a website called Napster that came out. And that's when I folded big time. <laughs> I am a thief. And I'm haunted by this every time I hit shuffle on the library of my computer or on my phone. There's, these, there's this music. I don't even want it on there. I don't even like it. But I have so much illegal music on my devices still. And it haunts me. And I'm going to tell you something that might offend some of you. The one artist that keeps on coming up again and again that makes me want to puke a little bit it's Bob Dylan. I have the, yeah, that's right. I said it. Come at me. <laughs> I have all of Bob Dylan's music, and it ain't all good, people. This is not a hot take. We all know this. He mumbles. He's like supposed to be some lyricist for our time, but guess what? Some of his lines are silly. <laughs> Let me, let me guess if this is a real Bob Dylan song, will you? <clears throat> Mary's porch is brown, and I'm going to town. I'm going to walk on the ground. Is that a real song? Is it Justin? It's not. I just made it up. But you would believe me. There are really good Bob Dylan songs. I'm going to get a scripture here eventually, but i got to spit some good songs at you. The times are changing is great. It Ain't Me, Babe is one of my favorites. It ain't me, babe. It ain't me you're looking for, babe. If you're ever breaking up with somebody, just play that song and walk away. <laughs> great song. Knocking on heaven's door. Mama put my guns in the ground. I can't shoot them anymore. That cold black cloud is coming down. Feel like I'm. It's a good one. But let me give you a tip. There is a CD that I paid hard money for. And I did it in college, too. So it's money I earned. <laughs> Time Out of Mind, produced by Daniel Lenoir, one of the best producers of my generation, I believe, got the best out of Dylan. And there are songs on that album that are so good. There's a, a, a song called To Make You Feel My Love. It's a beautiful, sweet song. 
can dance with your partner to that one for sure. But most of the songs are pretty dark and they're very broody. They're very bluesy. Great summertime album. But there's songs on there like Not Dark Yet that says, Well, I've been to London and I've been to Gay Paris. I followed the river and I got to the sea. I've been down to the bottom of a whirlpool of lies. I ain't looking for nothing in anybody's eyes. Sometimes my burden is more than I can bear. It's not dark yet, but it's getting there. Those are good lines. There's another song that speaks about the doors of heaven called Trying to Get to Heaven. It says, going to sleep down in the parlor and relive my dreams. I'll close my eyes and I wonder if everything is as hollow as it seems. Some trains don't pull no gamblers, no midnight ramblers like they did before. I've been to Sugartown. I shook the sugar down. Now I'm trying to get to heaven before they close the door. I put those lines in your bulletin. It wasn't until it went to print that I realized these lines that I love so much about Sugartown are probably about cocaine. <laughs> I literally was like, what? wow, is Sugartown in Baltimore? Where's Sugartown? Oh, man. Gosh, dang it, Bob Dylan, you got me again. Copious amounts, I'm sure. But he has these songs about heaven's doors, whether you're knocking on them or you feel like somebody is closing them. And I want to ask you today, in all seriousness, do you ever feel that way? That the doors of heaven have shut? Do you ever feel like you've been locked out? Or worse yet, do you feel like there's no one on the other side of those doors? I do. Sometimes in the mystery of faith, I wonder, where is God? I think this is a safe place where you can actually say that, and I think you heard that from the stage today, even. All you have to do is turn on the news, and there'll be some random natural event that makes us all feel like, man, is this all hollow and meaningless? Certainly the pass passage of Rachel Heaven Evans brings us to that moment, doesn't it? We ache and we mourn for a wife, a mother, a friend, to so many people who needed a friend. And worst of all, sometimes when we see the news, it seems so incredibly, incredibly calculated and evil, whether it's people's words or it's their weapons. People are doing damage. People are bringing death and pain into this world. And we, too, can sing along and it ain't dark, but it's getting there. And you wonder if the doors are closed. You know, I love, there's a uh, William Butler Yeats poem that I love called The uh, Stolen Child. And he says, this world is more full of weeping than you can understand. More full of weeping than you can understand. Those words always cut through my soul. Because I think it's so true. This world is full of weeping from random acts of death seemingly happening in our midst, or calculated evil that breaks our hearts, and we cry out, not knowing what to do, but feeling this world, this world we live in, is filled with pain. If you remember in the, in the movie Princess Bride, what does Princess Buttercup say to Wesley? She says, oh, you want to say it, don't you? 
I can see it in your eyes. She says, you mock my pain. And what does Wesley say back? Highness, and anyone who tells you differently is selling you something. Life is pain, Highness. And anyone telling you otherwise, they're selling you something. Well, let me tell you something about Romans 8. Let me tell you something about our passage today that I love. The Apostle Paul is not selling us anything. He's telling it like it is. Yeah, life is pain. In fact, he's expanding our view of pain. He says to this to us today, he says we know that the whole of creation is in labor pains until now. And not only creation, but we ourselves, we who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly while we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. The apostle is telling us, yeah, it's bad. We are all waiting. We are all groaning. There is labor and there is pain in this world. We are waiting for redemption and we're waiting for it in the marrow of our bones. That's how deep it goes, in our bodies. We are all waiting for our adoption day. But he goes on to speak of hope. He says, for hope, for we were, for in hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what is seen? But we hope for what we do not see. We wait for it with patience. We're waiting. We're all waiting for something. We're all waiting for redemption. We're all waiting for adoption. But there's so much good news in this passage, too, because he goes on. After he speaks of hope, he says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how we ought to pray. You ever feel that way? That you don't even know how to find the murmur of a prayer within your soul? And God, who searches the heart, excuse me, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God, who searches the heart, knows what is in the mind of the spirit, because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. This is the good news in this passage right here, and we can't skip over it. The spirit of God is at work in you when you ache. The spirit of God is with you when you groan. The Spirit of God is with you when you sigh and you don't even have words. This is so comforting to me. God is condoning our exhale and saying, I'm with it. I'm with you in it. So many times in life, you don't need a fancy prayer. You don't have to figure it all out. You just need to... And know that the Spirit of God is in you, working in you, and with you. And that is your prayer for today. We can't skip over it. You know, I spend a lot of time, as somebody who works with people experiencing homelessness, I, I get a lot of one-on-one um, -on -one meetings with people who are really troubled by the issues of our city. 7,500 homeless people on our streets. It's disturbing. And so I get a call, and it's a conversation I would love to have with any of you. Uh, go out to coffee, and the conversation, though, skips over this, this spiritual experience that this passage is talking about, and I don't think we could do it. It often jumps to, hey, 
Do you have the solution? Or do you know of a solution? We often want to get to solutionism, and I'm not against solutions. I think City Hope has a really impactful relational program that is really important solutions for what our neighbors are going through. But more and more as I pastor people who are in this moment of sighing for their neighbors, I just try to get them to acknowledge that they are having a spiritual experience with the Spirit of God. And so I say this to you today, when you walk over, around, or by your neighbor, and you see them on the streets, and they're strung out, they're beat up, they're busted, and they're bleeding, and when your heart aches and it pounds and you don't know what to do, just give out a sigh and realize you are having a spiritual experience with your Lord and Savior, and you are connecting with the image of God. We have to start there, especially as those who believe, who believe in a God who cares that deeply and will point them out to your soul to see them. And then we will be resilient to find the solutions if we actually interact spiritually with our neighbors and with our God in those moments. This is a heavy Sunday. Certainly, we are in mourning, many of us, even those who didn't know Rachel are in mourning. Those who have been touched, have been impacted by her life are in mourning. In the Tenderloin at City Hope, one of the services that we offer are memorial services. So I do more memorial services than anyone I know. About once a week, I sit with people who are doing what we're doing today, mourning, sighing, holding the pain but also celebrating a life. You know, people die pretty young in the tenderloin. It happens quite often. So caseworkers will call me in. We'll hold a small memorial in a dim-lit community room or a hallway often, and people will give out that sigh. And I actually get energized by it. I I think I'm weird, but I actually think I'm wired to hold the room, and I'm really grateful for that, to provide that service Um, to SROs and to social workers and to tenants in um, the Tenderloin. Um, I went to a a memorial the other day, and it was for a man named um, Clarence Singleton. And his sister got up when it was time to share, and she said, you know, Clarence is from New Orleans, and we're going to take the body back to New Orleans. But I wanted to come here, and I wanted to say thank you to everyone. So it's really special when there's actually a family member in the room. And then friend after friend got up and started telling stories about Clarence. And it was almost like they all knew a common refrain. They didn't plan this ahead, but every one of them would share a story. But they'd always end the story with, Clarence was a true friend. So it was Clarence cooked me dinner one night when I was strung out and hungry and didn't have a penny to my name. Clarence was a good friend. And this one woman who was clearly homeless talked about the first day she showed up in San Francisco. She said, I don't know why, but I have four bags of clothing. She's dragging four bags of clothing homeless on the street because it's probably the only thing she had, and she didn't want to let go of all of her possessions. But she's on the street. She bumps into Clarence, a complete stranger, and Clarence says to her, leave those four bags with me. Come back tomorrow. She does. She She shows up. The next day, and as she's telling her stories, like, I don't know why I trusted this man with all my possessions, but I did. I was tired of carrying them around the city. She shows up the next day. They're washed. They're folded. Clarence was a true friend. 
time and time again, um, I heard these stories, and there's a lot of people from New Orleans in the TL. And I am not a 100% purebred New Orleanian, but I did suffer through every summer of my life growing up there, which is not the time you want to be there. I do know what Bourbon Street smells like in, the, in August, and it ain't good. <clears throat> and so I'm kind of thinking, oh, wow, these people are, are my people. I wonder if they're Saints fans. I can't help but do that because I'm a real geek when it comes to the Saints. It's my team. Who dat? Um, I make my family suffer by always putting on jersey when the game's on. My dog is the least happy one, I think, wearing a jersey. <laughs> but I've trained up my, uh, my family to be a Saints fan. I trained up my son Jack early on because when he was real litter, little, whenever they scored a touchdown, I'd just take a handful of jelly beans and scream, Jelly beans! <laughs> touchdown! You gotta raise your kids right. Uh, one day, Jack showed up with a trumpet, and that made me really excited. Do you know what song you can play on the trumpet? See, I told this, I was telling this exact story to the people in this memorial. This is a story within a story. It's like Inception here. <laughs> I, I told them about my son, and I begged my son when he has that trumpet, when the saints score, will you play the song? And he's still learning the trumpet, and the notes are a little bit broken, but you can pull it out. Bump, 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 bump. Bump, 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 bump. Bump, 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 bump. Bump, 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 bump. Oh, how I want to be in that number when the saints go marching in. The memorial service, we just started singing impromptu, singing that song. We closed out that memorial service with just saying, Clarence is marching in. I don't, I've never met Clarence. I'm not here to judge him, but I have a strong feeling, <laughs> a guttural feeling that Clarence is in the arms of Jesus. Scripture, I think, affirms this, when we read later on, Paul says, No, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depths, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord, our Lord. I believe Clarence, I believe Rachel are in the arms of Christ today. And I, can I see it? No. But my hope and my faith inform me. My experience with Christ really informs me. I believe in everlasting love. I believe in eternal love. You know what? I don't believe in doors of heaven all that much, honestly. I believe in a Savior that tore apart a curtain, though. I believe in a Savior that says to us, in my home, there are many rooms. I have prepared a place for you. We are called to believe that there are no locks and there are no doors. There is Christ's open arms waiting for us. <sighs> 
It goes both ways, though. You have to understand, I think, that it's not just pie in the sky. It's not just when we die that we get to experience the love of Christ, the eternal. If there are no doors, the channels open, people. It's not just when you die and you go to that place. That place is coming here more and more. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. See, Christ opened the the curtain and said, here now, kingdom of heaven, reign and rule, my reign and rule of my love. Make it so. Love your neighbor as yourself. I'm very proud of our faith community here. We are far from perfect, and certainly there are times where, whew, you just got to sigh because we're a hot mess sometimes. But I'm so proud at the ways that we have actively and practically and strategically called out to God and said, Lord, heaven now. And we've been able to do that at Tenderloin. We've been able to roll up a door, a wide door, and say, come on in. All y'all, come on in. Right here, right now, the Spirit of the Lord will intercede with us. The Spirit of the Lord will bring peace upon earth. You know, this month is a month that we kick off this huge campaign, so that's why some of you are wearing these stickers Um, We also have worked really hard to tell the story of God's goodness and what he's doing down at City Hope. And I want to share a video with you that we produced. Maybe some of you have seen this online. You're going to even like it more the second time. (laughs) But I ventured that some of you haven't. Um, What we tried to capture in this video is what it's like for somebody to walk into our doors for the very first time when they're just stumbling down Olive Alley, an alley that is covered and needles and feces, it's dark and looks sketchy, but yet they find a place in which this faith community has said, right here is a place for you that's safe, that provides for you, that will protect you and loves you. So with that said, I'd like to share this video with you. There's something that happens at City Hope every week that never grows old. It's when somebody who's coming in off the street discovers us for the very first time. They might be peering in, wondering whether City Hope is for them. I get the privilege each week of standing at that door and simply saying, welcome, come on in. This is for you. We've been waiting for you. Are you hungry? Let us prepare a meal for you. Are you cold? Let us pour you a hot cup of coffee. Are you lonely? Let us surround you with friends, with laughter, with music. And are you tired? Well, this is a safe space where you can rest tonight. In this way, we're telling our community, you are worth it. In fact, you mean everything to us. We've designed City Hope to be a place where we remind one another of our value and our worth. Where the magic is in the connections that we make, the community that we build together. When you walk in our doors, you are no longer alone. San Francisco has 7,500 people experiencing homelessness. They often feel overlooked and left behind in a city that is thriving. At City Hope, they know that they matter because we create as many elements of home for them that we possibly can. For 25 men and women, it is an actual home. 
The City Hope House is a two-year sober living environment in which men and women reach for their dreams and fulfill their goals. It's an honor to be a part of that process with them, to see them overcome so much. For most of the people that we serve though, it is the City Hope Community Center. For our neighbors struggling with the trauma of our streets or living in a shelter, City Hope is a place where they matter. It is a living room for those who do not have enough living space. It's a place where community comes together. We've been open for over three years now. We've grown so quickly and we've learned so much on how to best support this community here in the Tenderloin. We are making a huge impact in people's lives and helping them find stability. And here's the thing, we are just getting started. During the month of May, we are once again launching the City Hope Month of Giving. This year, our goal is to raise $300,000. This money will go directly to our relational, impactful programming that is creating a ripple effect throughout the Tenderloin. This is an ambitious goal, and it's one that I know is possible. Each day, we'll be releasing one new video, 30 stories in 30 days. And our hope is that you would be able to tune into them, that you would feel invited and included in them and encouraged by them so that you might be part of the City Hope story. When we come together, when we care more deeply, when we can commit more fully, we see lives change. By supporting City Hope, you are telling your neighbor that there is a place for them, that there are people that care about them and believe in them. When you give generously, you are telling them that they matter and that they're worth it. I want to invite you all into this month in which we share these stories. You know what? This, this church has been so incredibly generous to supporting this, but our mission's outgrowing our wallets and our purses and our checkbooks in this room. It is, and that's scary. I believe we need to ask our friends and our coworkers to be a part of this good work. And so I want to encourage you to share a video Give us a shout out. Invite your friends and family to even care about the work that we're doing in the Tenderloin, if you can, to be an ambassador of this good work. Um, it's important to have a place in the spots where people ache and groan and sigh and to be there for them, interceding with them and joining them in their prayers. And that's what we get to do every week at City Hope. It is so good to open, kick open our doors when we can and to welcome the whole neighborhood in. I think it's expression of heaven on earth. Um, so thank you so much. Let us pray. God of everlasting and eternal love, we come to you not with words but with our sighs. Teach us how to exhale that we might be in union with your spirit that knows what we need to say when we can't even say it. In our moment of weakness, when the clouds are dark and heavy, come to us. Remind us that the doors of heaven are wide open, that they're as wide as the arms of Jesus Christ. Remind us that the curtain has been torn open. Remind us that the grave is empty. The saints are marching in, Lord, because nothing separates us from your love. May we call upon you. Help us to open the doors of our community to offer that love, that redemption, that adoption to your glory forever and ever. Amen.